yeah. uh, blazing at number five, Gaming and BS, which is from GamingNBS.com. Listening to Gaming and BS, you'll realise that they don't take themselves too seriously. The people who nominate it, uh, Sabaya... Sabathius 42? Sabathius 42, yes. Sabathius 42 said, I like this podcast because the host chose an interesting main topic each week and discuss it a little bit more in depth than you might find on other podcasts. By delving deeper into the subject, they make you think a little bit more about it than what your gut feeling tells you to feel. And Jay Verquilen says, Seconded. They do a really good job of engaging with listener feedback. I go through periodic binges. Besides, Brett and Sean have wicked... Wisconsin accents. I'm going to check that out because I want to find out what a wicked Wisconsin accent sounds like. It's just I, going to sound I, like I, an American accent to me, so... Yeah, well, I don't know, unless it's they start talking like um, people out of Fargo or something. Welcome to Table top rpg podcast gaming nbs <laughs> oh my god oh, oh well you know and the, the nice thing is after five more years we're gonna have this shit down no that's the best part no we won't if, if it was the exact same every weekend yeah, boring that'd, yeah that'd be true true enough boring oh well here we are i i'm sean i'm brett welcome to the show folks glad to have you all here Sean, how the hell are you? Brett, I did not get to Evercon. I know. My sincere apologies, but I had to put my personal safety first. See, I, I know. I wouldn't do that. Your personal safety means nothing to me. I know. I, <laughs> I understand. Nah, that's all right. We had about, I'd say, I think last, uh, about a thousand people waiting for the official numbers to come in. Um, when we go through, and I, I'm not bullshitting. We actually go through, the, <clears throat> run through the t- numbers. And um, the four, this is the fourth year since I've been part of uh, leadership directorship of running it. Best one since we moved Best out of school. Best one? I, absolutely. I mean, f- as close to flawless as I could get. I mean, three scheduling snafus. Everybody who was impacted went, gave me the... Argh! All right, fine. We'll do it because it's you guys and you're awesome. It was nice. It was super nice. Um, a couple no-show Game Masters. A couple of Game Masters were running games where players didn't show. Probably coming from Madison. And it was all snowy down here. Could have been. I actually had um, the strangest thing happened. I had a gentleman who was running a card tournament for a game that I, <clears throat> was not a very popular game. I don't remember what the hell it was. He list, listed it to me. I've never heard of it. I said, oh, are you running the game? Yeah. I said, oh, I'm really sorry, because I mean, there's like 300 events or whatever, and I don't have them all memorized. So I'm sorry, dude. He says, is there anything you can do about that? I said, I, I can't hold a gun to people's head and make them play your game. Oh. Well, you could. But I'm like, I'm thinking, what? is that what you want me to do? And he's like, oh, I guess I'll find other stuff to do. I kind of felt bad until later on. I saw he was, he was whooping up, having a good time playing all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, all right, it's not like he, like he walked in for nothing. But it was good. It was a damn good game. A damn good convention all around. That's good. I'm glad yeah. it was. I'm glad it was a success, a success, and without issue. Yeah, there were uh, BSers there. You know, it was it was nice. It was very nice. Cool. Very nice. So I think the next con I'm planning to hit is Gary Con. Sean, I know your little sketch on the Gary Con attendance, so we'll see how that goes for you. Yeah, unless 
you know, I don't know. I have a conference in August that's going to spend up a lot of my money and time. And well, well, if I do go down to Gary kind of maybe just for a day. There's always so many vacation days and uh, vacation day monies <laughs> available to either you or I. So Just waiting to get fired, and then I'll have all kinds of time. Oh, man. That right? would be great. That'd be great. Sean, you're fired. Woo! <laughs> Sounds not, good. Not today? Just get it today? Can I leave now? Effective like, if I leave, immediately? Like, if I leave now, will you ship my stuff or do I have to pack it? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Fuck it. Throw it out. I'll just leave. Yeah. But anyway, it was good. It was a good Evercon. Getting That's things, good. trying to get things uh, wrapped up, organized for next year. See how we want to do that. Dates and all that good stuff. Because there's always the convention centers like, oh, yeah, we were going to look at dates for next January. We're like, oh, my God. How are you not? Like, <clears throat> It's a year away, so lock them in. That's the plan. That's the plan. More on that as it comes to fruition. But that's about it from announcements, man. Anything on your side? Uh, we were honored to be one nominated on Ian World's. <clears throat> oh, that's top, right. Yeah. Top, top, top talk RBG talk show podcasts. Yes, not actual play. They separated actual play from right. regular podcasting or whatever. Something so, yes. like 200 entries. Last yes. year, we came in at number seven. Which this is year, impressive. Yeah. This year was number five. <laughs> Shit, man. What the hell? I think I think what we do, Brett. We're pulling is, a Ken and Robin. We're just not going away. And eventually, we'll be a media darling. That's Eventually, this will happen. No, well, I I think this might be the year for the Ennies. Will we actually submit something? We'll submit something. We may or may not win. Okay. We hit episode 300, and we call it a day. Huh? Could do it. No. Well... I don't know. That's Maybe, a lot. That's a lot of lightning striking in one place at the same <laughs> repeatedly. Going out on top. <laughs> I don't know. I'll no. see what happens. We'll see. Maybe we just ride this wave. Of <laughs> yeah. Something. Ult- ultimate popularity. Let's 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 move on to random encounter. Yeah. I do have one other thing. Oh yeah. What you got? So I posted something on the forums, and this could be in die roll, honestly, but maybe it's my own random encounter. Could be. Maybe it's, maybe it feels we'll random. go to. It's not, it's not in the notes. Let's hit it. Let's let's go into random encounter, and then Sean writes in. All right. <clears throat> Sean from Gaming and BS Tabletop RPG Podcast writes in. Oh, I hate that guy. The fuck is he talking about? <laughs> he's always babbling. <laughs> I I heard he's a mumbler. A bit of a mumbler. A bit. A, a bit of a mumbler. He says, "Wait, how am I going to do this?" Sean writes. I couldn't make it to Evercon this weekend. Weather got shitty, but that allowed me to game with my longtime game group. You know, the one with Jeff. We're still going through Tomb of Annihilation. As I was running the group through this crazy pre-published module, it dawned on me. There are a lot of things that we do as game masters that we really need to think about on the fly and have it make sense. True. Good, good point. Yeah, he's quick, this Sean guy. Not bad. Now, you may be saying, uh, duh, Sean, 
you should already know this. But here's the thing. Everyone knows I run pre-published stuff, but even those robust description and rules of a game trips up game masters beginner or advanced. Fair. Okay. The latter may have just have a quicker way to devise a mini system to make an encounter work. How many game masters get to an encounter, get to an encounter and say, oh shit, how am I going to do this? I'll give you an example. You enter a room, there's an object that triggers a trap. Say it's if a PC picks up a goblet off the altar, it triggers the trap. No problem. Pretty easy. Either someone detects it, disables it, foregoes it, triggers it. Right? Got it. Say it's triggered. There are 10 secret doors that now open and release 10 beasties into the room. I like where this is going. The room is a bit more robust. Okay? I'll explain. So, a teleportation mechanism moves the character into a space without another PC. So, there's a... You enter the room. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll paint this out. You enter the... Because when I po- posted this in the forums, I wasn't as detailed. So, this will help people give get some context. When the party... F- goes into the room they they actually trigger a trap that is a 15 by 10 pit trap at the entrance and there's another trap with this other thing that can be triggered well it there it continues <laughs> okay so when they trigger that trap they get thrown into acid that sucks yeah so a couple characters take some really i mean five feet of acid it's a fair amount of acid damage. Good it was enough. 12D10? Yeah, 12? they're tough, though. They're adventurous. They, they crawl out of that, scrape it off. Right. Ninth little, level, uh, tenth level. Baking soda on them, they're fine. Right. So they get out of that. But there's still this 15 by 10 hole at the entrance of the room. Ah, that's dangerous. Yes. So, so they go in the room, and there's two stairways, one on the left, one on the right. They both go in the same direction up, away from the party. Okay. In One in each corner, far corners of the room. At the top is kind of a walkway, and there's a, a mural of some kind. You go up to the mural, and the mural is of a maze, of a labyrinth, okay? Got As it. you're looking at it. It's like a crossword puzzle from Sunday's Funnies. Okay. Right? But the mural moves, so the 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 maze that you look at is always shifting. Oh, it's magical. It shifts around. Shifts around. Got it. You don't see anything in the maze, but it's just this big, huge, 10-foot by 5-foot high maze. Okay, okay. Somebody touches it. They teleport into the maze. Oh, lovely. Okay, old school trappy. Yeah, got it. Okay. If they look up, they actually look out back into the room where they were just standing. Ha! Poor bastards. As they move around the maze, it's 20 feet of fog. So that's like the distance they can see. Oh, I have... uh, Jeff? 
I have dark vision. That's great, Jeff. It's foggy, not dark. Got it. I have fog vision. Ah, curse it. Damn, Only I was fog vision. Knew that subclass of fog elf. I should have taken it. <laughs> so they can walk. As they walk, you roll on a random table at the end of their turn. To see where okay. they end up? Well, they come across something in the maze. Got it. Okay. All right. So what happens is somebody runs up there, touches the maze, disappears. Zip. People are like, oh, shit. If you walk up to the maze and one of the player characters is in it, you mm-hmm. can actually see them. Oh, neat. Right. Okay. What if, so, you don't, what if you don't touch with a hand, you touch with a weapon? Uh, it's got to be touched. Living creature. Oh. I take the no. thief's face, press it to it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, Sorry. So, got this. I was in the zone there. So what happens is they go in there and... Uh, something happens. I can't remember. There's another trap that is triggered. Oh, that's what it was. The first person that touches it goes into the maze and opens 10 secret doors. Okay. Out of each secret door is an undead minotaur. Oh, nice. Not too bad. Which are something like 67 hit points each. Ah. All day. This party could take that all day. All day long. It's the party of Jeff. Even though it was Jeff that was in the maze? So it was not Jeff originally. Oh, oh, originally it means it's going. His wife goes in there, right? So they are like, holy shit. All the minotaurs come into the room. So what happens- Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Spoilers. Carry on. Spoilers. All right. So- I I mentioned this kind of in the post, but I'm going off the rails here. (laughs) What happens is, so as a game master, I'm like, okay, how am I going to run this encounter? There's 10 freaking beasties. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, at least six player characters. One goes into the maze. She's, we're running initiative. Great. Okay. And you don't want her her bored while everyone else is having fight fun. Fair. Right. Yeah. So then what happens is people are like, oh, shit, I run up the stairs because all the minotaurs mm-hmm. and I touch the maze. Zoop. Zoop. Great. What happens, though, is I think they believe, oh, I'll touch the maze. We'll all be in the same spot. Oh, randomly placed within the maze. Randomly placed in the maze. I don't even know. As a game master, I don't even need to know what the maze looks like because it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Because it always shifts, and they never run into each other. I've heard that about mazes before, generally speaking, because uh, you don't necessarily need to map them all up. But, oh, wow, they're never going to – oh, my God. Yes. They are fucked. Right. So they can uh, – it doesn't actually say whether they can hear anybody, but I go, you can hear them fainting. Faintly in the distance. No big deal because it's not relevant. Right? Yeah. Just Hey, more. I'm here. I'm here. Yep. You go in that direction, you hit a wall. Damn it. You go left, you hit a wall. You go right, right, left, straight, straight, left, right, left. Like I just make up directions because it's always shifting. Wow. Yeah. It's actually more interdimensional than anything. So, what, so what's the what's the issue here is that that type of shit you had to make up like how it works? Nope. So that's easy, right? Yep, you're in the maze. Here you go. Yep. You can get out of the maze. All right. Okay. If you come 
if you come across an item in the maze, you pick up the item, you get teleported back into the room. Random bullshit gets you out of the random bullshit. Got it. Right. So what happens is you have three people in the maze. You okay. got three people out in the minotaurs. And you have ten minotaurs running around looking to kill party members. Uh, yeah. So when I write down the encounter and I write down the initiative and I figure out like, okay, your turn, your turn. What are you going to do? It's pretty standard stuff. Like, hey, Brett, you're a go, buddy. You go, all right, Sean. Well, I'm here. I'm going to try to do this. Yep. Okay. Attack the Minotaur. That's what I do. But the tricky thing is, well, that's another thing. Okay, so you get teleported in the room. You're behind this object. Are you going to be sneaky? No. Okay, great. Not sneaky. You know? Or right, I fire on. at a Minotaur with a missile weapon. Great. Now, I could... I could be the game master that says, oh, they all see you, all 10 of you pile on top of you. Oh, yeah. All 10 of them just jump me. Yeah. But maybe not all 10 see them. So I'm trying. So my dilemma is like, how do I make this a reasonable encounter that may actually be feasible given the landscape without just going, well, 10 of them just kind of pile on you. Because if that's the case, the character's dead. There's no question. And that's one of those encounters that my assumption is were I to read it, I'd be like, oh, this ain't that hard. And then as soon as something happens, because it's, sometimes you <clears throat> you read that encounter and you're like, oh, I bet it'll work like this. Right. I mean, I tried to do that with Iron Shoes and Blacksmith's Folly and Fish Story and the other Avalon stuff I've written or working on. Like, okay, what do I think people are going to do? And then... You have to caveat the fuck out of it and say, okay, now, if they don't do this, try this. If they don't do that, try that. I mean, and there's only so many if-then statements that you can plug into anything because then it becomes insane. Wow. So my my epiphany, so to speak, was how many game – now – People that have game mastered for a while could be like, okay, I've got a ment, you know, I'm going to write down every minotaur, all their hit points. I'll use miniatures. It's not hard. I do this, 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 and this. Yeah, that too. Or whatever. Put the initiative counters out. Yeah, yeah. You know, no big deal. But okay, you you change into an eagle and you fly around the room and then you're casting spells. Which one are you shooting at? If you're not running miniatures, you could be like, you know, where of my 10 minotaurs are the closest one, right? Okay, I'll do random one or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I go after number nine. Okay, you go after number nine again, right? So it's like keeping track of all this BS that's going on. And I we, think that beginner GMs, they're going to face something like this and be like, shit, man, I don't know how to do this. That's where I think some of the theater of mind, not, not that it's too hard or breaks down but it's challenging oh yeah even running uh D game for my two younger kids they're in a fight and alana will say how many how many are there i'll say you think anywhere from six to nine well don't i know no you do not know what you do know is they have a bugbear on top of you there's goblins around you and you think aj's two characters are also engaged in other stuff yeah, I guess I really wouldn't notice. No, you don't. You're kind of busy right now. You're really not 100% sure. So 
the fight, 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 fight. It, and it's, I have a mechanism to do that, right. but I am not doing anything as multiplanar as you are. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, I mean? these minotaurs, I think their intelligence is like a four. So you, by rights, that kind of sets the tone on whether they're tactical. Yeah, it can. And the other piece, too, is like, are they trickable? What happens if a minotaur touches the maze? Uh, living creature. He's undead, not right. living. Right. He's not living. He's it not dead. Doesn't do anything. Some okay. I had a player actually argue with me about them climbing steps. So they're like, well, we'll climb the stairs. They can't get up the stairs. I'm like, all right, whatever. I can roll with that. You're st- I still got 10 minotaurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good luck, kid. They they did it something pretty cool to get out of it, but it think, cost two character lives. I could see that. Well, they Tricky. separated the party. Like, talk about separate, never splitting the party. Well, that's going like, in the maze. Boom, you're in one spot. Boom, you're well, in another. I mean, that's old school Tomb of Horrors, man. You get in there, you can end up in some room naked without any of your stuff. Yep. You end up teleporting somewhere else. I mean, that's an old school trick. Well, shit, even just the acid trap. Oh yeah, mess you up. You're. They're like, well. You could probably uh, fix your armor if you've got mend. I'm like, uh, I, I think they took like 50 or 60 points of acid. Like, I think your clothes are gone. Yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't play it that heavy handed. But, but what's goofy, though, is if you're, especially if you're a new GM and you read that, you say, so they take acid damage. And, right. if, and the first time a player goes, so does my armor fall off? And the description does not say after right. thirty points of damage, all metal armor is destroyed. After twenty points of damage, all leather armor is destroyed. All leather cloth is destroyed. Right. It doesn't have that in there. No. So you're reading that you're like, shit. Is there a rule for that? You start looking up, looking up, trying to find right. it in some long forgotten tome at your desk. You don't know where the fuck that is. That type of those can get tricky. Those can get very tricky. Just from. Oh yeah. What happens? So what if, happens is the half. The, I think I, he was a halfling, Bombix, the halfling, druid. Bombix, so, halfling, druid. I like halfling, that already. Druid. So I, I attack him. I'm like, does a nine hit? No. But you were in the acid. Do you? Does your armor sustain 50 points of damage? Now what's your armor class? Oh. And he's like, uh. I'm like, it's all right. It's all good. Somehow yeah. your armor survived, but. <clears throat> Be aware. So yeah. When I, when I got kind of three quarters into this thing, I'm like, I don't want anybody telling me I'm not a fair game master <laughs> because I've, I'm kind of, I'm not pulling punches, but I want to make sure that what's going on makes sense and that I'm not just being either overzealous. There's a makes sense. I think that's a, a key thing is you're running something you're like, I want it to make sense. Yeah. Um, confusion in combat, fine. Confusion to the point of nobody knows anything and can't do anything, and they and the players themselves feel like they're being screwed via confusion. I, like I can't, I can't unconfuse myself. No matter what question I ask, John goes, "You don't know, you don't know, you don't yeah, know." Yeah, that's you don't know. no good. Yeah. Again, it's we've talked to adversary and other things. I think it's it it is a challenge though to take any number of encounters and have them make sense when the players do something wonky. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff, like you mentioned. Isn't like, okay, 
this is exactly what happens. Now, some of these encounters are pretty long. Like, hey, here's this deal. Because there's a sarcophagus that's changing yeah. colors. They come across keys in the maze, and they're like, oh, I know what to do. You know, and so there's an element of them understanding what's going on. But I'm thinking of a new player reading this. I'm like, how they, how do they even get their head wrapped around all the shit that's go, going on right now? I think that is some of the, I've heard this dislike, if you will, of the large modules, the big $50 tomes that Wizards puts out. Well, the nice things about the old modules is that you had a very short, quick thing, which is where I think you start to get DMs Guild, Adventures League stuff. You're like, okay, this one I can get my head around. It's four pages. You know, that's where you should be cutting your teeth. At least to me, in my opinion, or for some people. And it may, maybe some people don't care. And they grab, you know, out of the abyss. They're like, oh, I got this. And they just go. And they, there's no problem. They have no issue. And they theater the mind that sucker. And it's just beautiful. And it's wonderful or whatever. But I think it can be daunting. Yeah. Not only just the size of the adventure, but then you also think, well, this is how adventures are supposed to work. And this is how they're, they have to be because it's the official stuff. So, yeah, man, I get you. So, when I thought about this, I'm like, I could easily do, and we talk about, you know, we got like 270 plus episodes of talking about how to run a game, how to be a better game master, different tactics and, yeah. and, and references. And then I think about none of the stuff that we talk about is going to help this person tackle that encounter. And so, I, so I thought about you- actually going on YouTube and going, okay. I'm the game master. I've got Joe, Jane, Sally, Slick, and Jack. Here's their player characters. This is the synopsis of the encounter in the room. First thing I do is know that they're going to trigger the trap, and I'm going to write down. This is what I'm going to write down. I'm going to write down the hit points of every bad guy, and then I'm going to write down the bad guy's AC initiative. You know. Actually explain what I'm doing. All right, character goes in. We roll initiative. They go, this character goes to there. That triggers this. This is what I'm going to do. Put 10 minotaurs in there. It's a free-for-all. Well, White Plume Mountain, a funhouse dungeon, there is a section of it where you have these discs hanging either from ropes or chains. And the rope or chain goes to the center of the disc. You hop on it, it tips and rocks wildly. You have to hop across these weird little disky things to get to the end of this chamber. It's difficult as all hell. Of course, you fall, terrible damage. There's another room. If you walk in, the door will shut behind you immediately, and there's these weird steely globes hanging from unbreakable wire, which literally cannot be broken by anything. you got to figure out a way out. you know. And people are going to try stuff, do things, poke around, punch stuff, hit things, and try to figure it out. And even if you are using miniatures, there's still description. The power of your description, the clarity of what you're doing, and how you set that scene. You know, we've talked about this a little bit before. We were, where I've, I've said before, I can't remember which episode this was. It wasn't that long ago. You know, oh, you walk in, there's a library, there's a chair, this, uh, that, 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 and see the players aren't paying attention. Yeah, and, and you also notice the the uh, lich um, at the podium. What? Why, 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 why'd you bury the lead? You know, it's tough. It's really hard. And I think that's a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting approach, man, because 
how the hell do you run this room? And if you've done this for 30 years, you're like, ah, it ain't that hard. But sometimes you've done it for 30 years. You crack that book open. You read it. Like, oh, I get it. It isn't going to be that hard. Right. I know my players pretty well. You're going to get in here. Minotaur death room. Maze poison. Got this. Psh, how hard could this be? And then Jeff does something crazy. And Jeff's wife does something equally crazier. And then Brett stops doing anything. He just locks up all four and stares at it. Oh, there were people in the maze sitting in the maze. I'm going to just sit here. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so they just quit. Or they, they quit. They're not having fun. They're waiting for something to happen. And you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm going to do a short have, rest. I'm going to recoup yeah, some stuff. I'm yeah, safe When you've here. got a room where there's like undead death raining down upon you and a big ass pit full of poison behind you or acid in this case. And then somebody's in a box where like, okay, I can't get out. Um, nothing fun is happening here. I just sit down and wait. I'll just wait for the fight to get done. Then Sean will get to me. It, it's like, how do you keep that interesting for everybody? Right. Keep the person from saying, well, fuck it. I just take a long rest. <laughs> you know, wait, so, you do what? I just take a long rest. I don't care. So the there's a random table while they're in the maze. And if they roll a certain number... They come across a colored key, okay? And if they grab the colored key, it bops them out of the maze, okay? That's one way to get out of it, which is the only way they actually found how to get out. Now, the other one, another result is you run into a regular minotaur, in the maze, and you do one-on-one combat with him. And get your ass kicked, possibly. Hey, there's nobody helping you. You yeah. are, like, that's it. And so, of course, I've got casters like, oh, no problem. I uh, I got a, let's see, 120-foot range with a spell. I'm like, great. Fog, 20 feet. Oh, what? Yeah, you can't see them that far back. So yeah, you're not going to be able to cast your fancy-dancy spell there, yep. sorcerer boy. So well, and like, even, if you go back, even if you go back to the, the acid piece, there's nothing in that acid description, the way you say it, that says what, what detrimental effect, if any, right. is supposed to happen. Because the old some, modules would say all their equipment, some of them would yeah. say it's trashed. And I know some... New Adventures, at least Pathfinder ones, in other words, I shouldn't, uh, fuck, it's been forever since I've read some. But you'd be expected to reference back to the acid rules yeah. in the book. And if you don't have those readily available, you know, <clears throat> or if you're like, oh, shit, where is that? Or you don't think about it. It's not the same as like swimming. You're like, oh, they're going to get out of this as quick as they can. It's acid. They'll figure away, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, oh, you're in an ocean. We've talked about this before. You better bone up on your swimming rules. Someone's going to end up in a goddamn drink, you know, be able to figure out how you're going to deal with that. It's like, oh, it's a pit. It's got acid. It does, you know, 6 million D4 damage. Great. They'll all be dead. If they survive, they'll be up here poking around. Eh, probably a bunch of minotaurs kick their ass for a while. Eh, maybe someone gets caught in the maze. And they're like, wow, not only did they take the damage, somebody asked me the question of, do I still have my armor? What right. happened to my bowstring? Um, is my spellbook okay? Like, um, do we stop right now and look all this up? Yeah. Or do you just hand wave and keep going? And then somebody goes in, touches the thing, 10 minotaurs show up and people are like, <laughs> wait a minute, maybe we should, I'm really glad we did hand wave that thing. And this game master like, I really kind of wish I didn't hand wave that thing because not having a really effective metal armor right now would be kind of fun and be a little more of a challenge, you know, cause Ragnar the Mighty's will lay in waste to my undead here. I, uh, 
there's a lot that can go on in any given encounter. Finding a way to make it all sing and be reasonable or realistic, quote unquote, and whatever that means in the in the game you're playing, that's not e- that's not an easy task. And I think the other main piece on that that I would tell the Sean, this mysterious Sean who wrote in, right. um, I would tell mysterious Sean that you can't beat yourself up that if you had one encounter like that that didn't go as well as you wanted it to. Because yeah. it's going to happen. You could run a big-ass module like um, like that one, and it might not go well in a room or two. So not like the whole thing's going to go to shit on you, but you're like, ah, fuck, that didn't work out that well. So there is one, two, cause there, did Jeff's, both both of Jeff's characters survive, yeah. I think? They both survived. Even the, even the poor paladin who's not a paladin anymore? Yeah. I had him down to death saves, though. boy. Yeah. See, now now I don't feel so bad you missed Evercon. Yeah, well. Anyways, so I just... So, Sean, if you're listening to this, hey, man, you could do it lots of different ways. I feel for you, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to read the first one? Sure. Good Lord. We're a half hour in now. So I know. We'll with this thing. I know. This might have to be a listener feedback one. Yeah, it might be. All right. Force of Gary comments on 275 GM books in your toolbox. Stealing Cthulhu, one of my faves, was mentioned. I'm glad I happen to have that one for us. He says, surprise no one mentioned Vornheim, which is a table-ready aid that I carry with me in my gaming bag all the time. Create cities on the fly with zero prep. Seriously, zero prep. I also like and use other random generators at the table. You and Suen, various tables from the metal gods of Urharad, Urhadad, excuse me, uh, Fever Dreaming, Marlinko, etc. I do have a couple of those. So I should have uh, should have brought that up, especially the uh, Vornheim one. I do have that. He's right. You can make a city right damn quick. But he continues, most of my inspiration comes from Discover Magazine. To the best of our knowledge, stuff to blow your mind, and a bevy of nonfiction and fiction that I read. I'm not much of a TV or movie watcher, or rather my TV and movie watching is, frankly, hard to gamify. Twilight Zone, the original series, movies by David Lynch and the Brothers Quay. I try to integrate elements of these things into my games, but I've yet to be able to fully immerse a game in these weird spaces. Although I did come across, come close with a Call of Cthulhu scenario I based on David Lynch's short film, Rabbits. But I wouldn't give to run or play a session of Eraserhead. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Um, I'm glad you brought up those other sources there for us. That's cool. And some things are hard to gamify. I think sometimes you, if you're watching like the original Twilight Zone thing, you may take that and go, huh, I can't make the whole thing about that, but I like this thing. I like this piece. And sometimes it just touches of a David Lynch movie or something weird or odd that you've got that you really like. You can take that in and slot it into what you're doing. So that's pretty And I think some of the, I, I would say that nonfiction is a pretty good way to go. We've mentioned that repeatedly. Even, what was it, last episode we talked about that big map of Rome. We've talked about, you know, hey, they just found a derelict basically a ghost ship full of dead bodies. No one knows where it came from. Hey, we found this. They found that. There's a shit ton of crazy unsolved mysteries um, that are just, they're nonfiction. You can grab any number of those things and make a really cool game out of them. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Forrest. Yeah, thanks, Forrest. Haven't heard from you in a while. Thanks for good stuff. commenting on the forums. Uh, Tom, also in the same thread, 
comments on GM books in your toolbox. I have a couple of entertaining random roll books. I'll check every now and then if I want something unusual or un unpredictable tossed in. Encounters, treasures, motivations, etc. Roll XX and the starship from hell. <laughs> I also like incorporating the concept of primal magic from the primal order books of Wizards of the Coast before they acquired D&D or published Magic the Gathering. It's a capstone system with conversions for the major games of the time. It was a way to give deity level creatures a real boost magic wise. It also provided guidelines for building pantheons with several interesting examples and ways that mortals might acquire primal magic. It also includes a bestiary book, although you wouldn't want group of, groups of less than 20th level or so to meet the weakest of them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, Tom, when he mentions this, this brings it to my mind is that looking at some of your old gaming stuff that you have, even if you don't convert your old TSR module or whatever, but if you liked, you know, the Volturnus series from <laughs> Star Frontiers, or if you had a really cool Star Trek adventure or a Star Wars adventure from the old West End games that you really liked, you could reskin stuff for inspiration. And I have found myself, after reading, if you're listening to you, I should say read this from Tom, I've found myself thinking, you know, there are a number of different things I've read. Uh, and I mentioned a little bit, you know, the old Dragon Magazine. I'd read a ecology of something. I'm always a sucker for monster ecologies. Ed Greenwood did a number of them, as did others. Wow, that's pretty cool. I used the, the ecology of the, what was it, the uh, rot grub. Pretty interesting. Um, just simple, simple things like, oh, that's neat. Oh, I bet I could do this. And from an inspiration perspective. So looking at some of your old stuff that you've got on the shelf, blow the dust off it, read it. it you don't even have to do like a full-on whatever to 5e conversion or whatever to second edition or whatever it is you happen to be playing conversion. You can take that old... Star Frontiers, or excuse me, uh, Shadowrun, or whatever you want to do, and you can you can steal some stuff from there. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Uh, next one, last one. We got Jim Fitzpatrick sends us an audio. Local buddy, Jim. Hey, Sean. Hey, Brett. Jim Fitzpatrick here. Wanted to give you guys some feedback on the most recent episode on gaming creation or game creation tools. Um, some of these that I'm going to talk about are not strictly system neutral. A couple of them are D&D related, but a lot of them are system neutral. So I'll give you everything. You can do what you want. Um, I think you hit a lot of things on the head, like Never Unprepared, Lazy Dungeon Master. Uh, those are, I think, classics. I think they're going to be classics for a really long time. And I definitely find myself just flipping through them from time to time. I read both of them cover to cover, but now I just sort of like go back to the parts that I need. Um, there's another really good tool out there. Uh, Tom Lamell, who used to be the Dungeon Bastard, has a really good video on a concept that he calls Plot Radar. Uh, that's really easy to find. You can just search Dungeon Bastard Plot Radar on Google, and it's part of his like uh, disorganized play show on YouTube. And it's just it was a really good concept to get in my head. It's great for planning and totally system neutral. There are some D and D specific things that I really really like um, that center around monsters and and. It's not just like monsters and how I would use them in a combat. It's monsters and how they affect the world around them. So those two tools are Volo's Guide and then Keith Amon's uh, blog and now book, The Monsters Know What They're Doing. 
Um, I hated Volo's Guide the first time I read it, but when I actually kind of sat down with it for a long time, because I was I was planning a game that was heavy on gnolls. Like, gnolls were the main enemy for the first part of the campaign. Um, I read the gnoll chapter in Volo's Guide. I started reading the tactics on the Monsters Know What They're Doing blog, and it helped me understand, like, how basically how gnolls roll and why they would be scary and why the community would react to them in certain ways. So it helped me really create this atmosphere of a community that was terrorized by gnolls. Ended up being a really interesting campaign and uh, it really got me hooked on those two particular aids. Um, jumping back out into the system neutral stuff, there's two Monty Cook Games products that I use all the time. The first is their NPC deck, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's just a giant deck of NPCs. And if I need to populate a tavern or uh, just you know a traveling band that the party runs into, you can just grab a little stack of cards out of the uh, out of the deck, and you just have a, a list of NPCs with some personality characteristics and appearances, and it just helps you like make a a good workable set of NPCs for any encounter. Um, they also have a little uh, PDF. They call them glimmers. They're short PDFs. Uh, one of them is called "Taking the Narrative by the Tail." And it talks about the GM intrusion mechanic. Uh, I don't know who it was that said that that's handcuffing the GM, but I actually think it's the greatest GM tool that I've seen in a while. Um, but just uh, that that PDF talks about how um, you know how you can make use of narrative twists and turns and good times to do that sort of thing. So that always gets my head in a good space, whether the game I'm playing has intrusions as a strict mechanic or not. And then finally, uh, the Black Hack 2nd Edition book, uh, just a few bucks on drive through And the GMing section uh, in that book is unreal. Uh, even if I'm not playing the Black Hack, I can always read it and just sort of go and look at it. And it just makes me feel like a game master, for lack of a better term. So those are all great. Uh, really enjoyed this episode. I'm hoping that there's some other good feedback about what other people are using um, on the forums and on the show. And thanks a lot, guys. Have a happy 2020 and keep it up. That guy. I like that. One of the things that Jim brought out that I think is interesting is not only... So we talk a lot about how to use monsters in combats or encounters and so forth. And I think I alluded to it with the ecology of... And I love one of the things that's cool about, you know, the monsters aren't stupid. They know what they're doing, as Jim was talking there. I, I think trying to figure out how something affects everything around what what would happen if there was a dragon in the area you know that's the the big crazy oh my god what happens if there is you know a small clutch of owl bears in the woods what does that do you know there's lots of like one shot type adventure things they're like oh there's goblins you know kobolds took my baby goblins kidnapped the sheep or goblins are slaughtering this that or the other thing well those are humanoidy type things doing humanoidy Standard orcish goblin koboldy bad things. But what happens when, you know, a Remoraz is, you know, terrorizing a village? You know, how's it operating? Or it lives in a certain area and it just, it's taking its toll on woolly mammoths and then the mammoths aren't around for this other thing. And it was kind of a <clears throat> knock on effects of the ecology issues and so on that, that can happen. I think that's pretty, that's an interesting take. And there's a lot of different ways to get ideas around that stuff. I, like, I just, that just really struck a chord with me from Jim when he said that. I like that. Just thinking about more than just the encounters themselves and like, Oh, here's how you make NPCs. Here's how you do this. That's more of a, here's how you make sure the world comes alive. You know, how do you really make sure that this thing that you're doing 
is realistic. You know, there's a great big owl bear in the area. Well, guess what? There's you don't have the animal noises. You don't have this. You see this type of track, or these other predators aren't around. And you know, what what are the signs of that happening? What would that do? Yeah. So I like that. It just makes the setting alive. It makes you feel like it's really something that's actually happening. It's pretty cool. I like that. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, Jim's good. Jim's awesome. He's always thinking that guy. It almost ties in a way of, you know, how do you make sure the world, the setting is doing its thing? I think that almost ties into what you were talking about, Sean, at the very beginning here, is a room like that, as complex as, complex as that is. And there's even ones that I'm sure somebody heard that goes, oh, you think that's complicated? I remember, or I have a, they're out there. There's crazy rooms or encounters and things where gravity shifts and things slide sideways. They go front or back. You teleport, you there's all sorts of crazy funhouse bananas, traps, shit that you can lo- land on somebody. And depending on how that's working, I guess, to me, sometimes it's like there's almost. If the game master can't make it make sense, as you said, Sean, it's almost like I don't even know how the fuck this fits. It feels like incongruous to the rest of the adventure or something along those lines. And that's. That can be tricky. You know, I I have read adventures over the years where you come along, you're like, why is this room silly? Hmm. This room appears silly. Everything else is very serious, but this room just seems silly. Why is that? Yeah. Or um, if that trap room is like crazy complex compared to all the other trap rooms or is way over the top magical compared to all the other trap rooms in, in that dungeon, you know, sometimes you're like, man, it's just, it feels weird. And then you as a game master... Did you have you been doing it long enough? Have you, did you notice it soon enough to say, you know what, I'm going to demagic this sucker. I'm going to change it down so that it makes better sense. It feels like it doesn't fit. You know, what do you know? How, how do you even change that? Right. That's interesting stuff, man. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Well, we're getting long already. I think we should probably just move. Why don't we want to skip the topic this time? We'll hit that next. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go right. right over to die roll. Let's bust through this. All right, die roll. Thanks, everybody that wrote in for Random Encounter, all the comments. Thanks, everybody. Audio. Much appreciated. Uh, die roll. Uh, got a few. So start off with Nathan Hughes. Okay. So Nathan somehow found out we linked to a blog that listed concept art on spaceships. So he's Oh like, yeah, we did. We did that. So he's like, "Hey, if you don't mind." So I said, "Why not? Cuz some of you will probably be interested in this." So he has a blog, but he has also an entry and collection of cool sci-fi spaceship concept art and designs, and I want to say there's like 75 things he's collected damn that he listed uh in that so i have a link to that in the show notes check it out for all you sci-fi traveler etc mothership people um let's see uh second matt mercer posts on reddit about the new wildemount book so if you haven't heard, there we talked about last episode about Wizards of the Coast launching a book, and nobody knew what it was going to be about, and everybody uh, was yes. waging, hedging their bets. Oh, it's Dark Sun, man. I know I didn't get what I wanted. And uh, it's Wildemount. So 
If you're not familiar with Wildemount, uh, apparently that is the campaign setting that Matt Mercer on Critical Role has come up with. Uh, I will attempt to put links in the show notes from everything Jim mentioned in his audio. So Dungeon plot Master, ra- Plot Radar. I have seen that one a long time ago. I need to find that one again. Well, because... I see Sly Flourish in him talked about it, I think. Yeah, I remember that one being pretty cool. Yeah. So I got to find that sucker. Um, so I found it. I Googled it. I think Sly, Sly Flourish, a.k.a. Mike Shea. I'm so confused. Are you Mike Shea or are you Sly Flourish? I don't know. Hey, he's so complex. Well, I quit. But <laughs> he's he was on with Tom talking about something. And it seems to, I think, involve plot radar. But I could be mistaken. The monsters, you know... Uh, what they're doing, blog. I'll see if I can find that. Monty Cook Games, NPC deck. That should be a no-brainer. I can't remember the one other one Jim mentioned. And then the Black Hack is, I could find that too. Easily done. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's this catch-up round of random encounter. This is also what happens when Brett gets back from running a three-day convention. I'm fucking exhausted. Yeah, Brett's tired. I'm very tired. Brett's tired. Holy crap. I did. I was naughty, and I was so hungover Monday. Uh, I haven't been hungover in forever. I normally am much more in control than that. <laughs> Good God, that was stupid. Yeah. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Brett does not bounce like he did 20 years ago. Brett, Brett had a <laughs> realization this past week. Brett was weekend. stupid. Brett was like, uh, he was uncaged. <laughs> I don't get out much. Woo! <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. <laughs> that was stupid. No. Well, hey, take a few Tylenol, man. You'll be fine. Yeah, I got to take some Ibu. Actually, I had a crown put on my tooth early this morning. That that probably didn't help either. I can still taste the Novocaine. Get that out of my mouth. So, Ugh. there you go, Brett. Indulged. <laughs> uh, he's been at the dentist. You know, hey. the more you know. I got to hear about your inability to game master a simple trap. Hey, man, oh, that's <laughs> role-playing based. Come on. All right. All right. Let's get out of here. Yeah. So we'll catch you on the next one where we're going to talk about what, Brett? Back in a Kickstarter. Kickstarter. That's right. Just back anything Brett puts out there and you'll be fine. Totally. Yeah, don't do that. Do it. All right. All right. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Grand Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Haupt, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongo, Chris Steele, Ron, Bishop Thomas Hook, Rain Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Guy, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Neiman, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony, Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis C, W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wisson, Old Scouts are role-playing, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Balog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Huss Carl, Roger Blassett, Mark Sohn, Andy Hall, Andy Hall, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghost GM, Mike Hess, Chad Glayman, Finoff, Josh Wallace, and Marco Froelich. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.